Hey folks, we are now in week six of the impeachment inquiry. As always, so much to make sense of. Among other things, District Court Judge Beryl Howell has ordered the Justice Department to turn over special counsel Robert Mueller's grand jury materials to the House Judiciary Committee. A group of Republicans, who are not members of the House committees conducting the impeachment inquiry, stormed into the secured facility known as a SCIF. Bill Taylor, the top U.S. diplomat to Ukraine, gave extraordinary testimony last week about Trump's quid pro quo. Many questions remain after the New York Times reported that John Durham's investigation into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia probe has evolved into a criminal inquiry. And there's more news on Rudy Giuliani. He is reportedly the target of two federal investigations and the subject of, how shall I say it, phone mishaps. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down the news and take stock of what's happening. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. Moving on to something else. There has been some reporting that the investigation into the investigators, as people have been calling it, you know, the origins of the, of the Russia counterintelligence investigation. Some people think that there was bad conduct at the outset. And Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, has assigned that to a very well-respected, you know, not known to be partisan U.S. attorney in Connecticut, John Durham, who is another sensitive investigation before. You've heard the name before. And there has been reporting in the last week that that has, quote-unquote, transformed into a criminal investigation. What do you make of that? Well, can I give you some credit on this, which is that when we first talked about it, you had said, why would you have a U.S. attorney doing this if it's not a criminal investigation? And you had basically said up front, I'm not sure it isn't a criminal investigation. So I think that point is worth remembering, which is that you don't bring in a U.S. attorney to do an internal investigation. Or a review or some kind of administrative review, especially when you already have an inspector general. Right. I never understood what his role was to begin with. And I don't know that I necessarily credit, and i sometimes right, sometimes wrong, the reporting that says he's been reviewing this for months and months, and all of a sudden, at the drop of a hat last week, for the first time, does he have grand jury power? I don't know that I buy that. Do you know what's possible? He may have impaneled a grand jury for the first time last week. What's possible is that he may have put a f- the first witness before a grand jury. And, and that so got out. reporters found out, and now they're talking about it. That's what I would probably guess is the most likely scenario. This is a complicated thing, and I think... First of all, it's really important for us to watch closely. I think Barr has shown himself to have, I think, both an extraordinarily vast view of presidential power, which I do not agree with, and second, to have been, in my view, to have acted in a way that was partisan for the president with the release of the Mueller report with his non-summary summary. And so I think there are a number of reasons to be skeptical of Bill Barr and to ask questions about why are we investigating the investigators. Now, the related piece of this is that it is not uncommon for the inspector general who was tasked with looking at, and really they're focused on the, appears that they're focused largely on the FISA that was done on Carter Page, who was a member of the Trump team, who there had been previous FISA warrants on. And the basis for a FISA warrant is basically to say, we think that this person may be compromised by a foreign government or that the foreign government has compromised them and they're now an asset of a foreign government. And so there's a question as to what the basis for that was. And it's been a lot of questions have been raised about the Steele dossier that was done and what part of the FISA application and what part of sort of the initiation of the investigation into the president comes from that and whether or not that was legitimate and fair. And so that's been a question that's been asked. And it's a question that's being investigated by the inspector general. Now, you and I had heard rumors 
probably now over a month ago that that report was coming out. I do not understand why it hasn't come out yet. And I think we should be a little bit troubled that it hasn't come out and it's taken a quite a long time. And I think the normal course for something like this would be for the inspector general to issue a report and then to make a criminal referral if they think that there's a basis for a criminal referral. So Barr has undercut that process by putting Durham in up front and having him do this. Now, all that being said, We don't know what will come out of it. It's not the basis to do a grand jury investigation. It's not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a much lower threshold. And sometimes grand juries are impaneled to be able to get information that you otherwise couldn't get, like phone records. Look, John Durham, the reason some people know his name, is that he was assigned, I believe, to investigate whether or not there should be officials prosecuted in the intelligence community for the destruction of those tapes showing enhanced interrogation. And I think also for potentially the underlying conduct that was caught on those tapes. And that was a criminal investigation, and there was a grand jury, presumably, and he had absolute authority to recommend charges and to bring charges, and he did not. So just because there's a criminal investigation that's been opened doesn't mean that something will flow from that. And just to repeat a point we've made before, I think, further to what you're saying about Bill Barr, I don't get why you appoint someone with a reputation for independence like John Durham so that people will have confidence it's being done for good reason and in good faith and in a nonpartisan way. And then involve yourself so heavily by flying to countries, as has been reported. With him. With him. I mean, the whole point, the whole point of having John Durham is for there to be some arm's length. He's not a special prosecutor or a special counsel, technically. But the whole point is to have some arm's length from the political appointee, the attorney general. And he undermines that completely by getting so personally involved. And it looks like, based on the other context and the other things he's done, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. And it also looks like the the worry here, and just to be really explicit about this, the worry here is that the president is directing the attorney general to investigate the president's political rivals and to do things that would be helpful for the president politically. And the president, we've seen, I mean, this is the exact conversation we're having in Ukraine, where he's putting pressure on a foreign government to investigate his political rival. And so there's a real basis to have a fear about what is happening here and what Barr's role in it is. And so the fact that Barr has kept himself involved leads credence to this concern. But again, I think we need to let it play out and see what comes next. But it is, there are legitimate questions that I think people should be asking. And I also think that there has to be, I don't think that Barr will necessarily do this, but there has to be a level of transparency about this. And obviously not while something is in the grand jury, but there has to be ultimately a level of transparency about it. Because I do think that the public will not accept something that looks politically motivated, even if it's a legitimate line of criminal inquiry. Well, some people will. Yeah, some people will. But (laughs) I I think there's a legitimacy argument that it's really important for these institutions to have the overall trust of the American public and that they're coming close to a line here of where people are questioning the integrity of the department and they have to be very, very careful with how they do that. Should we conclude with um, Rudy Giuliani update? Oh, yeah, Rudy. (laughs) Yeah. So there are some people, former colleagues of mine, who have suggested there's already sufficient evidence to bring a criminal charge against him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. There are all sorts of reports that not just SDNY, my former office, and the former office of Rudy himself are looking at his financial transactions and his involvement with these guys who have been already charged with campaign finance violations. And there's some reporting, I don't know if, again, if I credit it, and I know I say that a lot, but I think it's important to say, like, I don't know what's true necessarily in reports that the criminal division at Maine Justice in Washington is also taking a look at various things. Do you think Rudy's in a lot of jeopardy? Yes. So I think a couple of things. I think we're right to be a little bit skeptical of some of the reporting because the criminal investigations are supposed to be secret. And so information that leaks out, it's hard to know who's leaking it and, and how credible it is. And so I think when we talk about this stuff, it's worth just reminding folks that some of the information is public, some is not. And from what's not, it's hard to know how much we should credit it. Here's what I found extraordinary about (laughs) 
I said it again. <laughs> You're allowed to say extraordinary. <laughs> Here's what I found really important about last week. <laughs> when that, very important. And by the way, nearly... in the federal courthouse at the arraignment of Fruman and Parnas, the assistant United States attorney gave a, a lot of information about the depth of the investigation. I did not realize how much they had done, that there are over a dozen search warrants that have been done. There are over 50 bank accounts, I think she said, that they have accessed information on. That means that they are following the money and that there is a pretty complex investigation going into what was happening. And I would presume that that includes Ukraine and here. And so I think Giuliani should be worried, number one, because of what appears to be the depth of the looking into the financial commitments back and forth. And we know Giuliani was involved with these guys. So they have the financial records at this point, and they will find what, if any, involvement Giuliani had. Second, I think he should be concerned because it's very clear that there are a number of things that took place, particularly at the behest of the Ukrainians, that shouldn't have taken place. And so whether or not he gets charged, I'm with you. I'm always a little uncomfortable saying you could charge someone today or charge someone tomorrow, but he should be worried and he should have a lawyer. I find it very strange that he's apparently out looking for a lawyer now and doesn't have one. He fired the first one. Yeah, one of the things that they're looking at is a potential violation of FARA, Foreign Agents Registration Act. You know, we brought cases under that statute, but there are hard cases to prove for various reasons. And a couple of the biggest, most high-profile FARA cases brought by the Justice Department recently have ended not in success, Yeah, including against Greg Craig, former White House counsel under Obama. That trial ended in an acquittal. Yes. So we'll see. But it's not, it's not a good position to be in. It's also not a good position to be in if you're Rudy Giuliani. And an article gets written by a reporter describing at great length the butt dial. <laughs> <laughs> Not just one. I believe there were two, two butt dials in which the reporter, you know, gets a voicemail. Uh, three minutes. Three minutes, because that's the full amount that you can leave a voicemail on, on this reporter's phone, where Giuliani is clearly talking about issues relating to the Bidens and his own financial situation, et cetera. But can I make a comment on the, on the, on the we were talking about <laughs> yes. this before. You yes. believe that I was going to raise this. A comment on the term butt dial. <laughs> yes. Do you object? Well, because I, I've never butt dialed because I don't keep my phone in my in my back pocket. So I think, I think the preferred, just I like I prefer. Are, I know there are a lot of follow-up questions look, I have. Just like I prefer yeah. filter team. Yes. I prefer pocket dial. Right. Why do I have to keep reading the phrase, but and Giuliani <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentence? That, that is a good question. Please. Over and over and over again. And this is a, this is a small semantic point. Why do we still call it dial? <laughs> my kids have no idea. They've never seen a they phone. They dial. You dial. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's like a butt. What do you think we should call push. it? I don't know. I don't have an answer for everything. I just think it's an odd term. Have and you, I prefer, I just, I don't need to see the word butt all the time. <laughs> have you ever misdialed? Yes, I've misdialed and I've pocket dialed. Yeah. I have. I have too. So I try to, I, so, so look, there before the grace of Rudy go I, <laughs> these kinds of things happen, but they seem to happen more to Rudy than to other folks. No, I agree. And, and look, I think it's sort of not the most important part of the Rudy Giuliani story, but it is interesting. I mean, he's, you know, trash talking the Bidens. He's out looking for money. It's not clear, you know, does he need the money for his defense or for something else? But it certainly shows, and again, it can happen to all of us, but it, it certainly no, shows but a lack so, of care. So, so there are these two that have been reported by that. I think it was an NBC reporter. Yeah, it was, yeah. But then on, on social media, I saw journalist after journalist sharing their own Rudy Giuliani butt dial story. <laughs> so Maybe we should ask it our... It happens all the time. Do you think any of our listeners have Rudy Giuliani butt dial stories or other good butt dial stories I would accept? Yeah, I think they. I think you should request yes, people's please. interesting... Yes, please. If anyone has a good story... dial stories. Send it to us. I cannot remember who it was, but I used... To, I had to change whoever was listening. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. 
To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. Simply Safe is the home security for right now, when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24/7, starting at 50 cents a day. Order online easily. Open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. No technician has to come to your house. Head to simplysafe.com/preet and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee.